I encourage you to take out your Bible. We're not going to necessarily have a scripture reading. We're going to look at selected scriptures, but I want to encourage you to follow along, take out your outline. As we come to the end of our Thanksgiving celebrations, and I hope you had a many joyous occasions, if more than one, or maybe just one big one. Um, hope you got your fill of turkey. We still have a refrigerator full of leftovers at our house. Probably you do too as well. Uh, but now, in the afterglow of Thanksgiving, we turn our attention to the Christmas season. And I hope we carry that idea of gratitude into this very, very busy time, thinking about Thanksgiving and then thankfulness and gratitude as we begin and talk about Christmas. We're going to begin a new sermon series uh, for this season. It's called A Box Office Christmas. And I'm going to show a video clip or two each week from one of the popular Christmas movies of our time. And then we're going to uh, build a bridge off of that and look at various things. We're going to look at uh, how to imagine a world without hope, imagine a world without joy, imagine a world without boundaries or consequences, and imagine a world without relationships. What would life be like if Jesus didn't come as the light of the world and give us these things? And so today we start our first message on imagining a world without hope. We're going to look at this first rather lengthy video clip from It's a Wonderful Life. And uh, just to kind of set it up, I'm sure you've seen the movie, but if you haven't, um, George Bailey gets himself or or his company gets in trouble, $8,000 in arrears, and uh, he figures out he's worth more dead than alive with his insurance policy. And so he approaches the bridge in Bedford Falls, and let's watch this video clip together. Time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? You're... To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you'd try to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody? AS2? What, what, what's that, AS2? Angel, second class. <laughs>
Cheerio, my good man. you say just a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, think, just things like that. How do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't worn my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. Uh, I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you. Oh, you? no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting. It. Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. Uh, <laughs> I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. I mean, look, little fella, why you go off and haunt somebody else. No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, right? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. It would have been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been born. You don't have to make all that fuss about it. What'd you say? You've never been born. You don't exist. You haven't a care in the world. No worries, no obligations, no $8,000 to get, no potter looking for you with a sheriff. Say something else in that ear. Sure, you can hear out of it. What's well, a doggone thing? I haven't heard anything out of that ear since I was a kid. Must be that jump in that cold water. Your lips stop bleeding too, George. Happened. It stopped snowing out here, didn't it? Well, I, uh, what's happened here? What I need is a couple of good stiff drinks. How about you, Angel? You want a drink? <laughs> I, uh, Come on, as soon as these clothes of ours are dry. Clothes are dry. I wouldn't know about that. Still is hotter than I thought. Come on, get your clothes on. We'll stroll up to my car and get. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'll stroll. You fly. I can't fly. I haven't got my wings. You haven't got your wings. That's right. So George Bailey, he found life hopeless, and he pondered suicide. He had lost hope in himself, in humanity, and in God. And there are many, many people, to one degree or another, who are walking around and losing hope one drop at a time. 
Clara Booth Luce said this, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Ecclesiastes 9, 4 says, but he who is joined with all the living has hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Over a short time, George Bailey regained his hope as Clarence the angel showed him the despair and destruction of those who would not have been influenced or impacted by George's life. We think in the book of Ruth in the Old Testament, Naomi tells her daughters-in-law that there's no hope for them getting married to one of her sons. Their, their husbands had died, and she didn't have any more children, and there was no hope for them to wait. And so they were in despair. What were they going to do to carry on the family name? In Proverbs eleven seven, it says, The wicked are told they have no hope. When the wicked dies, his hope will perish, and the expectation of wealth perishes too. Job 8.13 says this, Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. There are so many people around us who are looking for an absolute foundation, for something to put their confidence in, to bring peace of mind by putting their trust and faith into something. I think of a story a pastor told about a very wealthy man. And he recounted his story like this. He said all he ever really wanted in life was more. He wanted more money, so he parlayed his inherited wealth into a billion-dollar pile of assets. He wanted more fame, so he broke into the Hollywood scene and became a filmmaker and became a star. He wanted more sensual pleasures, so he paid handsome sums of money to indulge in his sexual passions. He urged, he wanted more thrills, so he designed and built and piloted, at that time, the fastest aircraft in the world. He wanted more power, so he secretly worked deals and, and favors and actually had some control with two U.S. presidents. All he ever wanted was more. He was absolutely convinced that more would bring true satisfaction. Unfortunately, history shows otherwise. This man concluded his life emaciated, colorless, Sunken chest, fingernails, and grotesque inches-long corkscrews, rotting black teeth, tumors, innumerable needle marks from his drug addiction. Howard Hughes died believing the myth of more. He died a billionaire junkie, insane by all reasonable standards. This, my friends, is an extreme case, but you get the picture. Without hope, man lives a life of heartache, disappointment, chaos, and despair. And many times, man finds ways to escape this pain of disillusionment and hopelessness to his own detriment. It must have been difficult for those <clears throat> Old Testament believers back when Malachi, the final prophet of the Old Testament, finished his writings. And there was a 400-year span where there was no prophet, no revelation at the time. And they were waiting. They didn't know what to do. They weren't hearing from God. The Romans came and took over their territory during that time, and there were a lot of reasons to have a sense of hopelessness among the Jewish people. But Galatians 4.4 tells us that in the fullness of time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, at the right moment on God's timeline, not man's timeline, but God's timeline, God sent Jesus to save his people from their sins and to give them hope in this life and in the life to come. Hope based on dictionary.com, is defined this way, to look forward, to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence, 
to believe, to desire, and trust. So we're going to highlight very quickly today where our hope originates. First thing on your outline, where hope originates. God is the source of our hope as Christ followers. God is our source of our hope as Christ followers. Psalm 62.5, which has become a very dear verse of scripture. In fact, the whole chapter uh, has been powerful in my life over the years. But Psalm 62.5 says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. <clears throat> when Jesus comes into your life, sets up residence in your heart, I don't know about you, but you just feel at home. The restlessness is gone. The world makes sense from the way reality is laid out. There's peace that passes all understanding. And all of a sudden we realize that God, <clears throat> excuse me, God's at work all around us that we never noticed before. When Jesus comes into our life, he gives us a hope that the world cannot counterfeit or imitate without a relationship with him. Many, many are looking right now for that hope, either in a committed relationship or in a marriage. Some are looking for hope in a same-sex relationship. Some are looking for fulfillment in their career and their promotions that they're trying to attain. Some are trying to invest more <clears throat> and more money and to make more money so they can rely on that for their source of hope in retirement, to giving them the security and the freedom that they need. And we can never find complete fulfillment if Christ isn't our center, our motivation for what we do. Relationships will sell us short. Careers will only fulfill to a point. And wealth and the maintaining of it can be very time-consuming and unpredictable. It's hard to completely depend on our wealth as our source of hope. God is the only one who can answer the call to fulfill all the cries and the needs of the human heart. Only that light that came in the manger so many years ago, who walked among us, who uh, lived his life, who uh, did miracles and taught on the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, but then died on the cross on our behalf. Only he, through him, can we understand the reality of this world. And the search for fulfillment of truth for many years was occurring with the Magi in Persia. These men were... Astrom astronomers and maybe astrologers and maybe Zoroastrianism. We don't know what they followed, but we know this, that they were seeking the truth. And then, of course, we know that that bright star came and led them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. They came face to face with the one who created the world and defines reality for each human being who's willing to make Jesus their savior. So here's the application under our first point. Don't settle for the counterfeits that the world says will give you hope. Don't settle for those things. <clears throat> it's not wrong to have things. It's not wrong to do fun and pleasurable things. But when they become the focal point, the center of all that we do, and, that make, and it makes us happy and it's our only hope, then we fall way short from what God wants for our lives. Second of all, we see that God is the object of our hope. <clears throat> God is the object of our hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. And I love verse 6 of Hebrews 11. It says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists 
and he rewards those who seek him. Man, that's powerful. So we think about it. God wants to reward us. He wants to bless us. He wants to pour out wonderful things on our life and fill us with joy. But it's not enough to just have hope. That hope must be in an object or a person. Many people in our society will say, well, I hope so-and-so happens. I hope my favorite sports team wins or whatever. And they depend on fate or good luck for the answers to their hope. Many people worship idols that are impersonal and never respond to their prayers. They serve a God who demands things of them and never fulfills and gives back to the worshiper. <clears throat> in an article in the Wall Street Journal in the 1940s, a story was told about the famous Yankee baseball player called Joe DiMaggio. And it was the summer of 1945 and World War II had just ended. Uh, former soldiers, including famous baseball stars, streamed back into America and to the American way of life. Yankee slugger Joe DiMaggio was trying to be Yankee fan Joe DiMaggio for a, a day before he went back to playing for his team. So he snuck into the mezzanine for a game with his four-year-old son, Joe Jr. A fan noticed him, then another, and soon throughout the stadium, people were chanting, Joe, Joe, Joe DiMaggio. DiMaggio was so moved and he gazed down to see if his son had noticed this tribute. And his son looked up and said, see daddy, everybody knows me. <laughs> and Steve Farish reflected on the story in a paper he submitted to the Evangelical Theological Society in 2009. He said the takeaway is the junior Joe DiMaggio made the innocent child's mistake of assuming all the glory at the Yankee Stadium that summer afternoon in 1945 belonged to him and not to his father. Human beings, however, make a far less innocent mistake when we live as if our lives were all about us and our glory rather than about our heavenly father and his glory. The apostle Paul writes in Romans 1:21 that the fundamental sin of the human heart involves a purposeful failure to honor God as God or to give thanks to him. That is to give the Lord glory in the form of worship that he alone is due. Our hope is in a person. Our hope is in the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we need to keep our focus on that one object who is so worthy of our praise and our worship. Well, <clears throat> we see that God is our source of hope in blessings and joyous occasions in life. In blessings and joyous occasions in life. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes, Jesus said, only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly. In some versions it says that. But to have it abundantly. The thief, Satan, he is the one that's ruling in this kingdom, <clears throat> in this place called earth right now. And he is here to steal and kill and destroy and to imitate the things of Christ, to draw us away from him. But we, if our life is wrapped up with Christ as Lord of our life, then we can live life abundantly. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, it says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Christians should be the 
happiest, most joyful people on the planet. We should be able to celebrate unlike anybody else. I was at a pastor's meeting a couple weeks ago in Rock Island, and one of the pastors was telling about this recovering drug addict, alcoholic that was in his church, and um, <clears throat> he invited him over with a bunch of other people for a party at the pastor's house. At the end of the evening, the recovering addict and alcoholic said to him, I've never experienced such a wonderful party without drugs and alcohol. And he says, Christians can enjoy life without having hangovers and all these other things that the world espouses to bring joy and happiness. God has given us his creation and fun resources to enjoy life on planet Earth. He thrives in our fun. We can sense his joy in us when we have times of happiness and celebration at times on our own life journey. God is our source of hope in our suffering. <clears throat> in our suffering. In Job 13, 15, Job said this, Though God slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. In Job 4, 6, he said, Is not your fear of God your confidence and the integrity of your ways your hope? Trusting in God and his uh, ability to keep his promises, to be immutable, always there, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And knowing that he has our best interest in mind, Job was able to utter these verses. In his book, Deserted by God, author and pastor Sinclair Ferguson shares the following story. The first physician to die of AIDS, the AIDS virus, was in the United Kingdom. And this young man had gone to Zimbabwe to do some medical research and contracted AIDS. In the last days of his life, the power of his communication was failing. He could no longer utter words that his wife could understand. So one day he took a notepad and he wrote the letter J on it. And his wife immediately went to a medical dictionary and she pulled up all the things in the dictionary that started with J and began to read them. And he kept saying, no, no. Finally, she said, Jesus, and he said, yes. Yes, that was the right word, that Jesus was with them. That was all either of them needed to know, and that is always enough. Well, God is the source of our hope in the midst of the world's injustices, and the world's injustices. There's plenty of those to go around, as we see in our news on a regular basis. In Isaiah 42, verse 4, the prophet said, He will not grow faint, or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. Back in Job 5.16, so the poor have hope and injustice shuts her mouth because the poor have hope, hope in God. We have so much injustice going on in the world around us and we want so badly, especially our younger generation, to solve these problems. <clears throat> I heard a story the other day about how sex trafficking is growing exponentially on our planet. Because in their mind, and this is crass to say, they're reusable resources to continue to get more and more money. I think of slavery. Do you realize we've, we've heard so much talk about slavery? But right now in our world, there are more people enslaved than any other time in history. The conservative estimate is over 30 million people are enslaved in you know, child labor camps and sex trafficking, and all kinds of other things. There's people starving still around the world. 
people who do not have the opportunity to hear the gospel in their own language. We think of injustice as when one mom miscarries for the third time and other people, like the Duggars, have 19 children. Someone with less time on the job and less education experience, and that person gets promoted over you who has more education and more experience. The list can go on and on about big and small injustices. But we, we must, as believers, hope in the fact that God will balance the books of justice either in this life, but he certainly will balance them completely in the next. So we must, our application says, rest in the one who is worthy of our faith and trust. Rest in the one who is worthy of our faith and trust because he is our source of hope. In his short life on earth, we see Jesus trying to deal with the injustices and the Pharisees and Sadducees playing favorites with people. And now we turn our attention to how God gives us hope through a variety of ways. Where does hope come from? Here's some of the things that God gives to us. A variety of ways, different ways. First of all, his commandments and promises. Psalm 119, all those verses talk about God's word, God's commandments, precepts. Psalm 119.43, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. God gives us his law, his commandment, and promises as an instruction manual for our lives. First John says that he doesn't give his commandments to us to be burdensome, but to protect and provide for us. This past Friday, we had 11 members of our family, and we went down to the Festival of the Trees. And I was, I was, it was really exciting to see there was one tree there that was a tree of promises. And on each of the ornaments, they put promises from God's word. Isn't that great to think about? God wants you and I to enjoy life to the fullest by his ways. The Bible, someone has said, if you take the B-I-B-L-E and make an acrostic, basic instructions before leaving earth. The more we follow God's word and practice self-control and restraint of our passions and desires, the more we're going to glorify God and he will bring jewels, jewels of blessing into our lives. Another way that he gives us hope is through his Holy Spirit. You know these, but these are good reminders for us at this Christmas season. His Holy Spirit. Romans 5.5, 5, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I think about the day I came to faith in Christ on October 7, 1972. The next morning, I could tell there was something different because the Holy Spirit had come into my life and things were different in my life. I think about how the Holy Spirit comes in. How many of you have been to Niagara Falls? Yeah, and you know that Right off the falls, there's a hydroelectric plant there. And you think about it, <clears throat> the source of that water coming over uh, the cliff and then down, and then, of course, creating the electricity. And it seems like an endless supply of water that as it goes through those turbines and creates the electricity, it provides for the people of that area. You and I, we have the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and it's like the living water that Jesus talked about in John 4 that it flows through us, it changes us, but then flows out of us to impact and affect the lives of other people. So we are grateful that God continues to give us that endless supply of the Holy Spirit. As he said there in Romans 5.5, that's been poured out to our hearts through the Holy Spirit 
who's been given to us. He pours it out. Another source, another place that we learn more about God's hope and gain that as a resource is his purpose and plan for our lives. His purpose and plan for your life and my life. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his inglorious inheritance in the saints? God has a wonderful, wonderful plan for your life. And it's found in faithfully following him and the hope he gives us in Christ. Now, there's going to be bumps along the road, as you know, in this thing of the Christian life. But remember, you're on the pathway to heaven. And while there are sorrows and pain along the way, there's plenty of opportunities for joy and blessing as well. Another source is another way that he provides us through his resurrection power. Resurrection power, that power that we have when the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. It's that same power, Ephesians says, that helped Jesus rise again from the dead. In Acts 23, verse 6, Paul was on trial, and he was testifying before the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he said, now when Paul perceived that one part of the group were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, he cried out in the council, brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. It is with respect to the hope and the resurrection of the dead, that I am on trial. Paul bases life, his ministry, his livelihood at the time, and well-being on the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, physically from the grave. As persecution grows in our country, we are quickly finding out who are those that are truly committed to Christ and the gospel, no matter the cost. Ministry is getting more and more difficult for pastors and leaders these days. Some of my colleagues, as they uh, retire and move on, churches are having trouble finding pastors to come and fill the pulpit there. The Barna Research Group just came out with a study that 29% of pastors surveyed in January of 2021 said they had thought about quitting ministry altogether and going into secular work. The number has risen to 38% in October of 2021. That's a 9% increase and pastors thinking of quitting ministry in just 10 months. Christ followers, you and I, we have to stay strong and rely on the hope that we have in the power of Christ's resurrection. It's because of that resurrection that we have power over Satan, power over our fleshly passions, power over sin, and power over death itself. That is why Paul so boldly proclaimed as a prisoner on trial that he followed the resurrection of Christ, he could stand before them and proclaim that because of the hope that that brought to his life. And then another one, another uh, way that's given to us is his commitment to give us eternal life. <clears throat> God's commitment to give us eternal life. Here's a great verse to memorize. It's the one that Hope at the Brickhouse uses on their material, Hebrews 6.19, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. It's the anchor for our soul. It's the thing we can go back to. It's our true north. That when all else is going crazy around us, we can go back to Jesus Christ, who is the one we hold on to. There's a story about Alexander the Great, the great Macedonian king. He was about to launch a great military campaign it was going to be trying. It was going to be difficult. 
It would mean slogging through the mountains into unknown and dangerous territory. His campaign would require the hearts and the loyalties of his officers and men. And Alexander won the loyalties of his soldiers by distributing throughout his army all the wealth at his disposal. To each one of his military men, he gave money or property until he spent all of his personal resources. One of Alexander the Great's generals, Perdiccas, then asked Alexander, Sir, what have you reserved for yourself? And Alexander's answer was brief and to the point. For myself, I have kept only hope, only hope. Then Perdiccas responded, we who share in your labors will also take part in your hope. Our application here is that we need to lean into God's resources to give each of us a hope-filled journey with him. Lean into God's resources to give you a hope-filled journey with him. There are things at our disposal, our, our ability to tap into when we start getting discouraged and downtrodden in our lives. Our hope is not in something we cannot verify or experience firsthand. This is what sets our hope apart from the world. It's the only thing to put our faith and trust for in this life and the next. And then we see, lastly, that God's hope is available to all wrapped up as a gift from him. It's available to anyone who will come on God's terms. Psalm 918 says, For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall not perish forever. There's a story about a construction crew out in Colorado. <clears throat> they were cutting down trees to make a, a new roadway through the mountains there. And uh, the foreman, the superintendent, came along a tree that had a bird's nest in it. So he got in his bucket truck and went up the top, and the little birds were still in there, and they weren't ready to fly yet. So he marked the tree to not be cut down, and they went on about the work. Well, a few weeks later, he came back, and he got the bucket truck again and climbed up and looked in, and the, the little birds had all flown away. So they <clears throat> cut the tree down, and on its way down, the, obviously the nest fell down, and pieces of it flew everywhere. But one of the things that was interesting that they found as part of that nest was a little scrap of paper from a Sunday school pamphlet that said, God cares for you. God cares for you. Even when you can't see it, God is there caring for you. He has mighty angels around you for protection. So our application is this. As Christ followers, focus on who you are in Christ and his hope will reign supreme in your life no matter the circumstances. Focus on who you are in Christ and his hope will reign supreme in your life no matter the circumstances. We're going to see just another short clip from It's a Wonderful Life to wrap up this message as we think about how George came to the end of himself and realized that his life was valuable as well. So let's watch that together. Well, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. Yeah, yeah, I know. You told me that. What else are you? What are you? You a hypnotist? No, of course not. Well, then why am I seeing all these strange things? Don't you understand, George? It's because you were not born. Well, if I wasn't born, who am I? You're nobody. You have no identity. Oh, what do you mean, no identity? My name's George Bailey. There is no George Bailey. You have no papers. No cards, no driver's license, no 4F card, no insurance policy. They're not there either. What? 
Zuzu's petals. You've been given a great gift, George. A chance to see what the world would be like without you. Oh, this is some sort of a funny dream I'm having. So long, Mister. I'm going home. Oh, what home? Now shut up! Cut it out! You, you, you're, you, you're crazy. That's what I think. You're, you're screwing. You're driving me crazy too. I'm seeing things here. I'm going home and see my wife and family. You understand that? And I'm going home alone. So after that, obviously in the movie, he remind he's he's aware of the gift of life. And we all know how that movie ends. Here's, some, here's a key thought as we close today. Christ followers can live with and in hope that this Christmas season, because God gives his followers the certain hope of who God is and his promises given to them. Christ followers can live with and in hope this season because God has given his followers the certain hope of who God is and his promises given to them. I hope that as we go through this Christmas season, you think about what it would be like. Imagine a world without hope. Imagine a world where we had nowhere to go to to get the resources that we talked about or go to a God who could provide the resources for us. What would it have been like if Jesus had not come? And we are grateful as we go through this Christmas season to celebrate that hope. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for um, the opportunity just to look in your word and basically do a word study of this thing called hope and to see what your word teaches us and tells us. Lord, may it be truly the anchor of our soul. There may be people here today that have gone through a very difficult week. They've lost loved ones or friends. There's been, been an empty seat at the Thanksgiving table. Their mind gets flooded with memories of years past and this person is now gone. Lord, we maybe have some here that are going through financial difficulties or dealing with addictions in their life and they just think there's no hope, there's no way to overcome these things. But we thank you that you are that source and you give us many, many resources to help us to overcome. So Lord, help us. Help us to rely and to lean into your resources and lean into you as our hope this week. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.